0: a very special guest with us on this week's podcast this podcast is going to be a former voices of gbc but a dear brother that many of us at gbc know and love and miss and then for those that are newer to gbc it'll be a great chance to get to know thomas lawson thomas thanks for joining us today on the podcast thanks for having me mike i'm I'm really excited about this yeah yeah Oh, me too. Yeah. So we have some questions we want to explore together and catch up. And by the end of our time together, I would love for GBC to better know how we can be praying for you and, and your ministry there in South Dakota. Um, and again, the purpose kind of why we're doing this, I shared this with you before we started recording, but is to just help us as a church really press into the reality that um, as a local church, God uh, prepares us to further his kingdom and advance the gospel. And that can happen near or far. And sometimes that means that someone we really love, a fellow family member at church, um, God moves them elsewhere for his purposes. So this kind of conversation will, will help further that. So, yeah. yeah so, Thomas, so for... Yeah. For those that don't maybe know you much yet, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? What what should we know? Where'd you grow up, your family, work, things of that nature?
1: Yeah. Well, I grew up in the South. Uh, I was born in Mississippi, grew up in Louisiana, right outside of uh, New Orleans, a little town called Slidell. Not little anymore. And um, so, I, you know, Southern roots, uh, people who know me know I'm an LSU, Louisiana State University fan. Go Tigers. And uh, love college football and and all those things, uh, but grew up in a Christian home, and um, uh, the Lord worked in my life at a very young age. Uh, I think to come to know Him. Uh, the The circumstances in which we ended up in Oregon were kind of funny. I mean, we we ended up in Oregon via Russia. Uh, so grew up in the South and went off to college, went to seminary. Uh, my wife Christy and I we met actually at seminary in Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, I had a heart for missions. She had a heart for missions. Uh, We ended up in Russia after the birth of our first son, Isaiah. And uh, we were there a little under five years. And so um, people who know our family know that our son Isaiah was born with some special needs. And, And so really his health determined that we had to come back to the States Uh, We um, wanted to stay with mission work somehow. So the mission agency we were serving with Interact Ministries uh, is located right there in Boring, Oregon. Uh, If you're ever driving down Kelso Road and you see kind of like this big white house uh, with a big front yard, that's actually Interact's office. And so they had me come back and uh, serve as one of their, um, their communications PR director. I would do missionary training, recruiting. I would still take trips over to Russia. Uh, but that's what brought us to Oregon. And uh, during our time, um, Finishing up in Russia, coming to to Oregon, uh, we had a second child Nadia, and then while they're in Oregon, we had Lily, our third, and after right before we moved uh, from Oregon to South Dakota, we had Stephen, our fourth, and uh, that's it. That's it. That's where we stopped right there. So been married a little over eighteen years. Um, we we were in Oregon a total of about seven years, and uh, God really led our steps. To be part of Gresham Bible Church. Um, we were there about three months. We visited some different churches. Um, those those who know me know this backstory, but I was actually Presbyterian uh, in my theology. Uh, if, if you're a theology nerd, you'll be familiar with the PCA, Kevin DeYoung, those kind of guys. So I was I was a baby baptizer and all that. <laughs> and then we, we really couldn't find a healthy church to be part of. And so you know, we were looking around on the internet, just saying, let's let's just find a church of faithful believers and get plugged in, uh, and even if we disagree uh, on the theology, you know, let's uh, let's just be in fellowship with other Christians, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what we did. And we ended up at GBC, and then people began to challenge my views on baptism and and some other things, and and lo and behold, I I jumped into the deep end of the baptismal font, and and uh, that's where I am now. So. That's a little bit about our family. My wife Christy, is from North Carolina, and so we both got deep Southern roots. Like I said, five years—about five years—in Russia doing mission work, uh, and then there in Oregon, which in many ways was continuation of mission work uh, yeah. in that community there. So, uh, we've we've lived in a lot of different places. Um, we <laughs> we we love a lot of different foods. Uh, we I love we, we both love college football. I'm an LSU fan. Christy is a Clemson Tigers fan, uh, which can cause a little bit of tension, tension, but, but interestingly enough, we both landed on uh, the Cincinnati Bengals as our NFL team as a family. Nice. And so we we have some great unity there. Uh, the Bengals have, have also drafted some Clemson players. And so uh, we've got that fun dynamic love woodworking uh, and uh, music, of course, and, and lots of other things. And so we've, we just enjoy our
0: family life and, and what God called and it has called us to do. Yeah. I'll never forget, Carrie and I were over at your house with some other families from GBC the night that Clemson won in dramatic fashion. I think it was the last play of the game, right? The rollout to Hunter yeah. Renfro. Yeah. And the Christie was absolutely thrilled jumping around. Like she just won the championship. So yes.
1: yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When Clemson beat Alabama and and to be very honest um, and and no offense to my sister, Jen Hudson, Jen, if you're listening to this, I love you. I know she's an Alabama Crimson Tide fan and, and I deeply love and respect Jen. Uh, but I always cheer for whichever team is playing against Alabama, even if it's Auburn. Even if As it's well awesome. you should.
0: And yeah. uh so uh I rejoiced also that night when Clemson beat Alabama. Oh, that is awesome. So maybe just real quick uh to give a few other things. So during your time at GBC, Thomas, how long were you an elder again for? I want to say
1: it was about three and a half years. Um the way you guys do the elder process there, uh I, I formally became an elder a little a little over three years before we left. Okay. And um, the way you do the elder process, it, usually you're kind of sitting in on meetings for, almost, in some cases, maybe up to a year uh, mm-hmm. before you're formally brought in so you can see how the process works. And, and so um was invited to to step into some of those and uh, spent probably about 10 months uh, doing that before I was presented to the congregation and Affirmed and
0: uh, invited to be on the elder's. Part of yeah. the elders. Yeah. Oh, that's great! I was thinking it would um, be good, or at least maybe it's for my own entertainment. If you could give a brief greeting salutations to GBC in Russian, would that be okay?
1: <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, sure. Uh, дорогие друзья, приветствую вас. Uh, я очень рад быть здесь сегодня, говорит с моим братом Майк Дал. Uh, я, я я очень люблю вас. Uh, надеюсь, что мы
0: uh, увидимся скоро. Uh, That's awesome. And what did you just say? Did you talk trash about us? No, I
1: didn't. I said, uh, just to paraphrase my dear friends, uh, it's good to be here today. Very happy to be here today. Talking with my brother, Mike Dahl, uh, greet
0: you all. I love you and hope we can see each other soon. Uh, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, there's so many questions we could explore and people get to know you more, but just maybe briefly, um, you know, how long, again, have you been in your current role in South Dakota? Maybe paint the picture for GBC real quick on your role right now, kind of how things are going. And then I have some questions I'd love to dive in with you and just kind of explore more pastorally too. Sure. Uh, can I can I brag on GBC
1: a little bit? in this- Sure. Because to be quite honest, um, I mean, the reason why we're here in South Dakota, if anyone there at GBC still misses us, well, it's they have GBC to blame. Um, <laughs> uh, GBC was, uh, I would say, uh, you know, when we came there, it was up until that time that the, it became the healthiest church we were ever a part of. Um, never a perfect church. No churches are perfect. We're all sinners. We're all in process. But there was a different vibe about the church in that there was just this strong, strong pull towards community. Um, and, and I didn't read this book until later uh, that I'm going to tell you about. It's it's called The Gospel by Ray Ortland Jr. Um, you, you're shaking your head so you know. It's on my shelf um, behind me here. Yeah. Fantastic book. Uh, And we here at Faith Baptist in in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, we give it to every visitor that comes in. You know, when I read that book, I was it just struck me as like, well, that was GBC, uh, a a church of gospel doctrine and gospel culture. And the importance of that is you have to have good doctrine, but that doctrine must lead to a a changed culture, a changed life uh, in, in the body And and how people interact with one another, how they love one another. And and, and then, you know, if you have just doctrine without that body life, that healthy gospel culture, you you end up harsh and you end up hypercritical and legalism creeps in. And if you go to the the other side, it's like, well, let's just never say anything. Let's never not worry about truth and let's just all love one another. Well, you end up with hypocrisy. Uh, You you end up with just, uh, you know, not a real hope. It's not anything grounded in substance. And so what we saw at GBC uh, from the pulpit and from the leadership of the church and from the body of the church was a desire to be faithful to God's word. Uh, but to, but to not just walk in on Sunday mornings and wave and put on a smile and then go home and not have anything to do with anyone else in the church for the rest of the week. Uh, there was a great community, a great body life. And when we, we, we got plugged in very soon. And so what that led to was just a lot of growth growth in our marriage, growth in our our personal spiritual lives uh, deep 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 friendships with people within the church and when I was in you know invited to maybe step on as an elder and to explore that process um, and, and I'll say this right now the the elders of Gbc I don't know if anything's changed in the last couple of years, but the my role as a as a lay elder, I tell people, I said it, it was almost like being an associate pastor in some ways, part time, because the amount of shepherding uh, that went on, the amount of prayer, the amount of thoughtfulness, uh, the the discussions the elders had as to how best care for people within the church, wrestling with hard issues, um, that just began to to fan into flame in my heart a desire to say. I'm getting to do this, you know, maybe 10 hours a week. I'd like to do it all the time. You know, this is, this is what's pulling at me right now. So uh, at the time I sat down and talked with uh, Virgil Brown and uh, talked with Dave Barry and explored that call with those guys. Uh, Also had the opportunity uh, to talk with Michael Lawrence over at Henson, talk with some other people. And uh, they all encouraged me to, Um, You know, pursue the call and see where the Lord might lead. Um, How did I end up in South Dakota? Um, That's a little bit of a a, a crazy story. The short of it is this. So a friend of mine, uh, he and his family used to live on the mission field in Russia. Also, we served together. He moved back to the States at one point, ended up down here in South Dakota and he is what is called the district minister for our church association that we're part of. So okay. it's not like a bishop or anything. What he does is he serves a network of maybe about eighty-five churches here in the in the heartland district of the Midwest. And uh, stayed friends with him. And so I was just calling and talking with him one day uh, on an informal basis to just get some advice about the pastoral call. And then he said to me, Thomas, uh, you know the church that our family is actually members of here in Sioux Falls is looking for an associate. Um, you know, maybe it's a good fit, maybe it's not, but I'll send you the information. And, and I, I wanted to hang up the phone and laugh and laugh and laugh. I am not exaggerating when I said, I thought it was the craziest thing in the world. And I went and told Christy about it and, and I, I don't remember her exact reaction, but she said, she, she kind of went, huh. And something like that. like, I thought you were going to laugh at this also. Why are you not laughing? Yeah. Um, and, and so God opened the door. It was one of those things where it was so clear that I needed to at least follow through with sending them my information, interviewing with them, all of these things. Um, and, and, and let me tell you the, I'll wrap this up here. Cause I know I can, I have a tendency to ramble. I know that those at GBC who heard me preach, they probably know. Um, But uh, when it finally came down to them inviting me out here to interview with their elders, um, I I sat down. We had a meal at at someone's house one night, and it was all the elders uh, here at this church and their wives. And uh, we ended up talking for like three hours. Um and we prayed and we sang and they were asking me of course practical questions i was asking them practical questions um and it, it went extremely well and they took me back to uh, gave me a ride back to the hotel where they had me lodging that night and i went back to that hotel and i broke down crying wow. you want to know why because i knew we were leaving oregon hmm. And the reason why I knew is because I saw in those men the same spirit that I had experienced at at Gresham Bible with Mm -hmm. those other brothers and not just the other brothers, but the whole church. Because as the elders go, so goes the church, I believe. And, and, And that's what really solidified in my heart that night. Any question that I had was just like going back. And it wasn't sadness because. The Lord was opening a door. It's just all of a sudden, and I can get choked up right now thinking about it. But I started thinking about, okay, this means no more having coffee with Mike Dahl and hanging out with Dan Stump and you know, uh, getting together with Eric Wood and those guys. Yeah. Um, I know the relationship stays there, but you knew it's going to change, and you knew God is is pulling you away from someone. and And pulling out those roots can be a little painful, um, but uh, God planted us here. I've been here a little over two years now, going on two and a half years. Um, And I look back and I just say, uh, it was was the Lord's will. It was as clear as day. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of how we, a little bit of a long story, but how we wound up here in, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And we are died in the wool mid midwesterners now with southern accents so
0: oh man i'm tearing up just hearing you um retell the story and just how you trusted the lord you and your family in that Um, even when it's hard and knowing how God's been so good to you guys and you are dearly, sincerely missed at GBC. And yet that's the purpose of this podcast. We, we want to lean into that even when we miss people and just know that it's about advancement of the gospel and Jesus's fame rather than our own comfort and preferences sometimes. So. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind, there's so many things I could talk to you about. I love you. I miss you. But just, I thought it'd be good for Gresham Bible Church to hear, maybe in a little bit different context. And yet we're all kind of part of this cultural moment in the West, so to speak, at the same time. Maybe just kind of briefly highlights, lowlights for you over the last year to, you know, personally and pastorally. And then I'd love love to dive into a few things. Highlight, lowlight.
1: Yeah. Uh, high points, low points. I mean, I came here, um, in August of 2019 and, uh, you know, just getting my feet wet. And, and I had all these plans of what my first full year in pastoral ministry was going to look like. <laughs> and All of that just went flushing right down the toilet, uh, in March of 2020. And so, there's there's almost, in a sense, been a baptism by fire. I feel like there's been some acceleration of things that you're dealing with in the life of the community, the life of the church, that you didn't think you were going to get to that soon. Um, South Dakota is a very different environment than Oregon, different different culture. There's a different political bent to the state. Um, there, there's just a different vibe about the culture. And so Part of it was adjusting to that and seeing how people were reacting to, uh, all the different things that were going on, the political turmoil, uh, the virus itself, COVID, uh, it was complicated. And, and I can say, um, I think one of the low points for me, uh, and and this wasn't putting it on anyone or any particular person, but was the first Sunday that we actually, um, you know, closed the doors and said, uh, we're gonna go to streaming only. Um, it was never mandated here, but our mayor requested that. Uh, our mayor is actually a, a strong believer. Um, and uh, he requested, he said, "I just for the sake until we understand what's going on, we're asking people to do this. And um, to stand, you know, with a couple of other musicians and, and play in front of a camera instead of a congregation, I went home. I went home dejected. I mean, it was just it was uh, it was disheartening because we are we are made to be in community with one another. We are made to worship. And yes, there are times of emergency, times of public health crises and all of those things. Uh, but it was just completely unnatural uh, feeling. And it just made my heart long for heaven uh, all, all the more. and. And I would say on the on the flip side of that, I mean, one of the high points was, you know, when we were able to start meeting again uh, and coming back together that first Sunday back, the first time we got back, a lot of our people who were, say, older or at risk stayed home still. So we were maybe at 50 percent of what our normal attendance was. But um there was, I mean, like people were just smiling. You couldn't see it behind the mask. People were just smiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could see it in their eyes. There was a lot of happiness, there was a lot of rejoicing. And, and so through all of that, those those two uh, bookends um to, to some events that have happened, um, uh, just just really highlighted what the call of a pastor elder is all about. Mm-hmm. And that is shepherding the flock and You almost feel like you're standing out in the pasture without any sheep uh, and you feel a little bit lost uh, until you have that moment. And and in between that, there was a lot that happened. There were there were there were great times. There were hard times. Um, But just, you know, being back together with the people of God, uh, once again, just just put wind in my sails.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to ask a follow up question on that, just to kind of take that down into do another level. And I'm sure there's lots that could be said, but just as far as you can aware how the Lord is working in your life and growing you as a shepherd, as a pastor, as an elder, where do you see that growth happening most? Where are you growing as a pastor, would you say?
1: Yeah, um, I was just thinking about this, talking about this with uh, Christy not too long ago, some other people, you know, maybe I'm the only one that deals with this. I suspect I'm not, but, you know, feelings of self-sufficiency, the, the, I got this mentality. I can handle this. Um, So much of what has happened through COVID through political turmoil, upheaval, people confused, people angry, I mean, all of those things, uh, God has ripped my hands uh, away from the plow a number of times to Mm -hmm. allow me to rest in him, rely upon him, look to him for strength. Um, and everything that comes with that, sometimes these like feelings of, of failure, feelings of inadequacy related to that, um, uh, there was, uh, we had a speaker, last October here at our church Jared Wilson who is a, a yes. gospel coalition one of the one thing he said at, um, at the conference when he was talking that stuck with me uh, and still sticks with me is he said there's not a day you wake up there's said, there's not a morning you wake up where God says to you impress me and there's <sighs> not a night when you lay your head on the pillow that he says to you you let me down oh. so that, that idea that I've got to perform, I've got to do it, that pe- performance mentality, that self-sufficiency, uh, God rending you, rending me <laughs> of that, mm-hmm. um, allowing me to see that it's his grace alone and relying upon his strength. And that's
0: been a profound lesson uh, I've learned and continue to learn over the last 20 months. Man, amen. Preach. <laughs> You're ministering to me, even in this moment, <laughs> talking that through. Yeah. Um, how about, you know, we had bounced around and emails kind of ahead of time. And I found it helpful to ask a few different podcasts um, from Colossians one twenty three that says, if indeed you continue stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. So using that as a jumping off point, you've kind of touched on it some already, whether it be personally or pastorally, Thomas, like where do you find yourself most prone to shift from the gospel? Is it in that identity dependence and pastorally, is it personally just, I think it's helpful as brothers and sisters in Christ to speak to that. Cause we're all prone to shift our hope from the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Just what's that look like for you lately? I'm going to verbally process
1: here for a minute. Um, Go for it. you know, life can be exhausting. Um, if you got whether you have kids or not, there's always something exhausting out there. It's just a different type of exhaustion. Work, uh, stress, relationships. Um, obviously, yes, kids are exhausting, but that, that tiredness, that weariness um, can, can begin to produce sometimes apathy. And there were times, I would say, uh, definitely over the last two years, where, you know, I was just exhausted. I mean, I'd go to sleep, I'd, I'd try to go to sleep early, get up, get up nine hours later, and I was still exhausted. Mm-hmm. And just just weary. And and during those times, you can all you can almost become apathetic. Uh, and I feel like I did a couple of times. I mean, that just waking up and, and the reality of what I'm doing no longer sets in anymore. And it just becomes a job, you know, and so. Uh, I just remember those days of, you know, there were days of going through the motions. It's not that I've walked away from the faith, but it's that the reality of that faith is not impacting my, yeah, the way I feel, you know? Um, and it's, it's almost like a couple of times the Lord stopped me in my tracks and made me realize what was going on. Uh, it can happen in some of the oddest places. It happens in the shower. You're sitting there, you know, shaving or something. And all of a sudden, the Lord just like, you know, you're being very apathetic. <laughs> it's like, yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, But um, that's the beauty of the of the gospel. I, I was doing a Bible study a while back with a guy uh, that's part of our church. We were going through Hebrews together. And just that whole emphasis on remaining steadfast in our confession of faith. Uh, you know, I we're on a podcast, so you're not going to see this, but if you can imagine a zigzag line that goes back and forth and, and we tend to, I know I do, I tend to swing between legalism and antinomianism. Hmm. Uh, not, not dramatically. So anymore, but, but my heart swings like a pendulum between, you know, got to follow all the rules. And then the other side of it is I can do whatever I want. And I think Christians, a lot of Christians struggle with that. And and what keeps us centered is the cross of Christ, that grace and truth in Christ Jesus revealed that yes, his law is good and perfect and holy. We are called to repent of sin and pursue righteousness and holiness, but it is not of works that we are saved. It is by grace alone, through faith alone in Christ alone. And, and, And so we live each day knowing that when we stumble, when we fall, we have an advocate with the Father. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And we can joyfully continue following Christ in our lives. Um, and and that the cross of Christ is that, that centering, grounding, gravitational pull to the pendulum that swings between, you know, I want to do whatever I want and I've got to keep all the rules.
0: Amen, uh, man. This pulls us back every time. Yeah, I'm just resonating with what you're saying in terms of when we shift from the gospel, that can kind of manifest itself differently in different people's lives, I guess, maybe season of life, personality, spiritual maturity, all of that. But it does start to impact your spiritual health, even in it bubbles into your emotional health. So, for you to talk about when you're feeling apathetic, that, okay, maybe there's a reason why I'm not depending on the Lord, I'm trying to hold it all together myself. Josh Howitz says, look for those areas in your life where you're white knuckle gripping. You're just trying to mm-hmm. hold on to it yourself. There's some connections there. So I think it's helpful to hear other Christians talk about where am I prone to shift from the gospel? Because we all do. And just to talk that through, I think ministers to each other. So, yeah. It, it, how about uh, I'm going to switch a little bit, but it's more kind of in the same theme or vein. You have ministered to me uh, in my first year in full-time vocational ministry, you've encouraged me to be a gospel practitioner was your words. I thought that would do GBC well to hear Thomas Lawson talk about that a little bit. What does it mean to be a gospel practitioner? You were speaking in terms of the office of elder, but just what does being a gospel practitioner mean in, in your words?
1: Now I have to remember what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'll be good. Whatever you say. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know what I want to say. That, I meant.
0: Um, But uh, yeah, was that, a, that was a, one of our phone conversations. Yep. We had a well back. Yep. We I'm call. putting you on the spot. Sorry. It just struck a chord with me. I have that on my mind often. No, it's good. You had it in the notes here before we got started. <laughs> it, you know, ask, ask. Well,
1: I mean, along the same lines of what I was, what I was saying there, um, you know, the the cross of Christ keeps us centered in all that we do. And um, this is also, this is a quote from J.I. Packer, but he writes the foreword to that, uh, that book by Ray Orland Jr., The Gospel. You know, our orthodoxy must be followed up with our orthopraxy. Mm-hmm. What we believe must be followed up with what we do. And so there's got to be this connection again between doctor doc, um, gospel doctrine and gospel culture, and, and really for me, being a gospel practitioner is living each day of my life, uh, coming back to that truth of the gospel again and again. We it doesn't just save us; it sustains us Amen. Through every station of life. Uh, and so, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. You know, one of the things I loved about GBC was that people were fairly transparent about some of their struggles. Mm-hmm. And, uh, anyone listening to this podcast that, that, you know, uh, knows me, uh, knows me well, you know, I, I, went through a season of great anxiety. I went through a season of depression when we were there in Oregon. I'm kind of, you know, kind of bent towards that a little bit. And, and God's been gracious to sustain me through that. Uh, we have a child with complex medical needs that, uh, can produce seasons of anxiety, uh, when you consider all of these things, and it's in it's in those moments that the gospel is is so rich and precious because. It is it is the hope that we have in Christ that roots us and grounds us and, and keeps us from falling into despair. It, it reminds us of those verses from Second Corinthians 4, these light momentary afflictions are producing in us an eternal weight of glory beyond all compare so that we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: and, and so, it, you know, I grew up with, I don't say I grew up learning this from my parents, but I got this impression from some of the the churches we were part of that, you know, the gospel is really, you preach it and you get saved. You got your ticket to heaven. No, it's, it's a, it's a lifelong. It's it's a lifelong following uh, to Amen. be just following Christ with your whole life and, and letting that gospel truth, preaching it to yourself. David. Did I get that yeah. right? Is that oh, what
0: I man, that's beautiful. I, <laughs> I love hearing you talk about it. Amen. It's not something we graduate from or move yeah. on from just thinking of, you know, uh, Romans one sixteen, 16, the gospel is the power of God. Wow. We should lean into that, meditate on it's the power of God for all of us. So it's nothing that we should shift our hope from. And yet we're all prone to do that, um, in different ways. So yeah, th- thanks for, for sharing your thoughts on that. How about you just quoted the verse. So I'll just use it to kind of ask you a follow-up question. So in these present troubles to use scripture in this these cultural moments, you know, you explain South Dakota's different context than Oregon context, right? But just from your role, Thomas, like, what do you see as opportunities for advancement for the gospel in the local church right now with everything you've talked about that's hard, right? Where are the opportunities in this and where are the hindrances? Just from your pastoral view, I think it would do us as Gresham Bible Church good to hear it maybe a little bit from outside our context.
1: Yeah. Um, I, can I be blunt? Do can I be honest? Come, Come on. on. It's actually interesting. I, I was just working on, so we, I teach our membership class here, uh, at Faith Baptist Sioux Falls. And, uh, it's a, it's a nine week thing. We take people through the mission vision of the church, all those things, Sunday school hour type thing. And, uh, one of the, uh, lessons I was just working on before our conversation was on, loving one another, one of our five, what we call our five loves or our five values here. at Um, And I was referencing uh, a a conference I went to about two years ago, uh, Bethlehem conference up in Minneapolis and um, John Piper, a bunch of people, Trip Lee was there, um, but Michael Lawrence was also there and he gave a talk. And this sounds, this sounds classic Michael Lawrence. It sounds very technical, but then when he starts preaching, it sounds fantastic. It's like the health of the church as a plausibility structure for heaven. So it sounds a little technical there. But one of the points that he made was this. He said, uh, when the world looks at a church where everyone looks like everyone else and thinks like everyone else, it can explain that. It's mm-hmm. called a club. No one needs to reference the supernatural to explain a club. But the church loving one another, despite our differences, makes the gospel plausible. The common factor is Jesus. Amen. So I look at the last year, last two years. Um, there in Oregon uh you you probably have a little bit more political variance in a uh in your church than say here in in South Dakota mm-hmm. but you know the thing that has i think distressed me the most is seeing believers disagree and then disavow one another Okay, so there are differences of opinions out there among people who hold to the gospel. And this is this is where it gets messy. And this is why the church has this opportunity. So these two things are intertwined. What saves us, what makes us part of the family of God is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not who we voted for, not whether we got the vaccine or didn't get the vaccine, Mm -hmm. not whether we are pro mask or anti mask. None of those things save us now they are they important? Do they have implications for our lives and testimony and witness all that? Yes, yes, yes. Do I have my opinions? Yes, do you have your opinions? Yes, yep. those opinions may differ but but what the where the opportunity comes in the midst of all of this chaos going on is that When we come together as the people of God, it's not that we no longer have our opinions on these things. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that unites us, such that Mm -hmm. we we should be able to look at a brother or sister and say to them, Look, I I disagree with you. We could even say, I strongly disagree with you, but I love you. Mm -hmm. And I I we fellowship and we rejoice that we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom. Of God's beloved son through the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, Maybe that sounds a little overly simplistic because what happens is you still have messiness that has to be dealt with, but part of that pursuing love with one another is what keeps us together as the people of God and allows us to raise our hands on a Sunday morning, singing songs together, hearing the word proclaimed together, rejoicing in that gospel truth. And so wherever the church is in whatever context it's in, whether it be South Dakota or Louisiana or Washington, D.C. or or Portland, Oregon, Gresham, Oregon, is keeping the gospel central and and not ignoring these other things as if they don't exist. But despite these differences that exist, remaining steadfast and unified in the gospel truth and And I'll just say this. uh, I've greatly appreciated what our elders have done here. We wrestled long and and through very tedious times on what do we do? Do Mm -hmm. we do we tell people to wear masks? Do we socially distance? Do we you know, we have people saying we want you to put up, uh, you know, political banners in in your church. No, we don't do that. We're we're an outpost of the kingdom of God. Vote your conscience. But you know we're going to keep the gospel the main thing. Um, when the mayor asked everyone, you know, to to do, uh, he asked all all gatherings to wear a mask, uh, Him being a believer, a strong believer, um, we just said okay. You know Romans thirteen, that's where our, our conscience is going to land here on these things, and uh, we're going to we're going to do that. Um, we had people come that didn't think it was doing anything, but they still did it. And we had others that were strongly in that camp. And by by the grace of God, uh, the church has maintained a tremendous amount of unity. And I know that's not the case everywhere. And if there's anything encouragement I can give in all of this, it's maintain unity in the gospel of Jesus Christ, even when you disagree with other believers. And it's going to be hard.
0: Yeah. I, I love hearing you speak to that because that helps push against the idea that unity as a christian is uniformity it's yes. not it's yes. bought it's purchased with the blood of jesus so i have more in common with my brothers and sisters in christ around the world And maybe those i differ in different political things or our covid moment than those other issues and some i've heard argue that that's you know overly reductionistic it's not it's who we're called to be i love how you use the outpost of the kingdom embassies yeah. of heaven we should look different our hope is somewhere different so yeah um Absolutely. yeah I, I love another another uh michael lawrence quote here real quick please i love hearing the pages turn on the podcast that just sounds cool i'm finding so many things this is yeah. uh
1: where was his um oh hang on okay so love one another okay yeah churches have a chance to show the world what heaven will be like Hmm. Just a little microcosm of that, you know, uh, loving one another, walking into an environment where, you know, just there's, there's unity. If if there's one thing that's just become a stronger conviction in my heart over this last year. And trust me, I have opinions that I, other faithful Christians that I love dearly think are ridiculous. Yeah. And that's okay. Yep. I mean, we should be able to look at each other and say, look, think it's a bad idea,
0: but I love you. You know, and I don't mean to make jest of any of this, but I'm having flashbacks to when we did our burger quest, when you were back here, <laughs> in Gresham and some brothers, we'd go out and try and find, you know, the best burger and we'd have categories and rankings and we'd have some strong disagreements, but that's okay. And that I is- feel like sometimes we've lost the ability <laughs> to disagree. So yeah, I appreciate you sharing your heart in this. Uh, yeah. Thanks for being blunt. Yeah: Yeah. How about um, I want to respect your time, and maybe there can be a future podcast episode uh, with the guest, Thomas Lawson. But how can Gresham Bible Church, those that know you well, miss you, those that have maybe never met you, but just hearing your heart in this? How can we be praying for you, for your family and for your ministry?
1: Yeah. I mean, some, uh, uh, well, we only have a few more minutes, so we'll see how much time we can get yeah. here. I'll, I'll be, um, I'll be brief. Um, you know, this church here is, um, uh, uh, we're actually uh, going through a, a time of transition, a good transition, uh, back in 2018, they planted a second campus. Okay. And, uh, that was a, that, that was not a video screen type campus. It was, a it's own local pastor, own worship, all of those things like that, but kind of unified in in vision and function. And and then we're actually on a process right now of that becoming an autonomous congregation in the next year and a half. Uh, wow. so it's, uh, steps of transition that are taking place with that. Uh, there's other pastors here on staff that are going to be retiring. So there, there's some shifting of responsibilities that are taking place here at the church. Like I said, all good stuff, uh, no turmoil, no drama. And, and so just, uh, you know, how that's going to affect what I do, uh, just wisdom as to, to areas, other areas I might end up moving into, maybe not. Um, But just all of those things. And so a time of transition for our church, Um, for our family, um, you know, our son Isaiah's medical needs are always a a need. The Lord has provided a new medication for him that he is taking uh, to help control seizures. And that seems to be having an impact in a positive way. Uh, So we're just hoping that will resolve. And I would just say shepherding and guiding our kids. I mean, they're getting older and. uh, we've seen Nadia baptized in the last year. That was mm-hmm. a beautiful, beautiful Sunday. Uh, our, our next uh, Lily is asking questions about the gospel and and being baptized. So just shepherding our children's hearts and and staying staying connected in our marriage. I mean, Christy and I uh, we just finished eighteen years, which I know for some that's not a long time, but you know uh, we're we're continuing on, and God is blessing us and. Uh as every couple, there can be days of miscommunication and getting the wires crossed and all those things. What, what are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you and Carrie never argue. <laughs> no, uh, never. Yeah. Never. Uh but um yeah, just you know, continuing to to grow in love and faithfulness and um and, and all of those things like that.
0: Okay. Yeah. Amen. We we will be praying for you. I miss you. Um, it's great to hear your voice and thanks for coming on and just reconnecting with, with GBC. I hope this has been encouraging, uh, for Gresham Bible church to hear. So yeah. So Gresham Bible church, thanks for joining us on life together this week and hearing from our dear brother, Thomas Slauson. Hope you found this conversation encouraging. If you have any questions or comments or hey, I'd like to hear more about this, uh, please reach out and you can do that by reaching out to me at mike at GreshamBible.org. Until next week, Gresham Bible Church, love you.